So we're in the midst of a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. As we come to this, uh, this morning, we're coming to this fruit of the Spirit of patience this morning. As we're coming to this, uh, this fruit of the Spirit of patience this morning, that we are gathering also to gather around God's Word because God tells us that He meets us through His Word, and as we, He meets us, He's going to be changing us. That Isaiah 55, 11 always says, says that God's word will not return empty. So the promise that God gives to us is that he is actively working within our hearts. And so as we hear God's word, we should expect God to be working. And the question that we are really considering throughout the, this series on the fruit of the Spirit is how do you see yourself growing and how do you see yourself changing? Are you growing in the life of the Spirit? Are you growing in God's character where you are becoming more loving, more joyful, and patient? So is the fruit of the Spirit your character traits? And this is the question that we're considering. And so for our scripture reading today, we're looking at James 5. James 5, verses 7 to 11. Let's give our careful attention to the reading of God's Word. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would be working in our hearts, in our lives this morning. As we consider your word, that you would help us to be a more patient people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The quote for reflection in your worship guide is, are we there yet? I have no idea who said this, so I'm saying everyone has said it. I see this in my own life because I hear it from my boys when we're driving in a car. You hear, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I look at this in my own life. I see this within my own heart when I'm flying. I'll look at my watch just to see how much time has passed to see how much longer the flight is. Can you relate The reality is we are an impatient people within an impatient world. And today we're looking at the Spirit's fruit of patience. And this is actually a bit awkward for us. The first three fruit of love and joy and peace are popular. Who doesn't like thinking about such things? The reality is we know we are impatient, but we also know that we should not be impatient. We all are aware that we need to be more patient. And so here's my ask of you this morning. It's, I mean, expecting each and every single one of us, and this was my experience this week, that 
we're going, that if you feel guilty throughout this, or if you feel guilty at any moment, just actually hold on to that because this is an invitation to have a sweeter life with Jesus. That even amidst our impatience, God wants us to see Jesus. So my ask of you is to hold on to this. And so how we want to consider patience, and you'll see the outline inside your worship guide, is first to consider defining patience. Secondly, we'll think about faking patience. Then we'll conclude with cultivating patience. So first, defining patience. What is it? We see patience mentioned a few times here, but here's James 5, verse 7. Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. In a sense, we understand what patience is because patience is endurance. Patience is perseverance. And the Greek words that Paul uses literally means long-tempered. And our old English translations of this this verse would use long-suffering and forbearance. These words help us understand what patience is. And so for a definition, patience is not exhibiting grace while standing in line. Biblical patience is being slow to anger. Biblically, biblically patience is bearing with one another's sinfulness and mistakes with love. To be long-suffering in the face of offense, opposition, and persecution. These are different examples or perspectives and traits of patience within Scripture. But in other words, patience is Jesus Christ upon the cross. And so patience, the ability to endure oppression and suffering, is to be able to endure it without retaliating. Patience is the ability to withstand persecution without retaliation. It's also the ability to put up with each other's weaknesses because, friends, we all have character struggles. We, we will frustrate, we will irritate. We will be foolish. We will sin against one another. So how do you respond to those moments without, quickly, without getting quickly irritated or angry enough to want to fight back? So patience, this is what patience is, but let's notice also where patience comes from. Because patience flows directly out of God's heart for you, and the entire biblical story is one of patience. So if you look here in James 5, James 5 verses 10 through 11 holds up the Old Testament prophets for us to consider as an example. Think about Hosea. Hosea is a prophet, and he is called by God to really live out a life that is a parable, that Hosea's life is a parable where Hosea is demonstrating God's faithfulness and God's patience even while his wife is displaying Israel's infidelity and impatience. So think about the story of Jeremiah where Jeremiah was a prophet of God and he faithfully preached God's word for 31 years. He was calling Israel to repent of their sins for 31 years. And the entire fruit of Jeremiah's ministry is where Israel is actually led into captivity, where Israel is led into exile. And that's striking to us. But Jeremiah was faithful and he was patient, ministering to God's people And this is striking to us in another sense because here scripture is upholding and celebrating 
God's people as an example of patience. This is striking to us because we don't expect this when we think of Scripture. Because Scripture is not a, a message of moralism, of just do better and be better. However, this is a picture that God's people can actually grow in patience. That God's people can grow in patience. And we can be, grow in patience because we follow a patient God. Think about the life of Jesus. Jesus patiently endured his disciples' slow faith. Jesus wept over Jerusalem, over the Jewish refusal to follow him. And he did not say a word before Pilate when he was being tried. Patience flows from God. Think about Psalm 103, verse 8. This was our call to worship this morning. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But we, friends, are an impatient people. And so when we think about patience, it is awkward. We avoid it because we are guilty and we know it. Not only are we an impatient people, we live in an impatient culture. And there is a cultural formation going on. And our natural, our sinful inclination of impatience is actually encouraged in this world. Think about Amazon Prime. You can get anything the day of or the next day or like just a couple days later the moment you order it. Think about streaming services of YouTube, Apple TV, Netflix. There's a lot of them these days. There, in fact, there was a study of 6.6 million people. Uh, they were downloading movies. And the, the study was done just, just to gauge the client, the customer response. And the study found out that people were willing to be patient, to wait on how long it would take for the video to buffer and begin playing. How long do you think people will be willing to wait for a video to buffer? It's two seconds. It's two seconds. So if the, if the download took any longer over than two seconds, I think some of you need that study. If the download took longer than two seconds, 25% of streamers would just move on. We want quick, easy, and convenient within our life. Think fast food, think streaming, think Amazon Prime, much more. And something that I've realized more about my life is that I struggle with patience. And this is bigger than just being a father of two boys. It's bigger than that. There have been many things going on over the, the past two years, and there is an accumulated weight of disappointments. It adds up. There's the social distancing, there's the isolation, there's fights over face masks, political tensions, gun shootings, death of friends, death of family, family health concerns, and much, much more. This is the accumulated weight of disappointments. Are you aware, friends, of your own accumulated weight of disappointment? Because impatience reveals stuff going on in our hearts and our, in our lives. Impatience reveals what is important to us. And so when we, we look at our lives and we see all this weight of disappointment, we can just, we justifiably, 
That's not really. But we have this tendency just to become more irritated because things are bothering us. And so impatience reveals what is important to us within our hearts. The church father, Tertullian, put it this way. Impatience is, as as it were, the original sin in the eyes of the Lord. For to put it in a nutshell, every sin is to be traced back to impatience. I find the origin of impatience in the devil himself. What Tertullian is pointing out is that impatience is rebellion against God. And since God is sovereign over our circumstances, your frustrations, my frustrations with my circumstances, reveal an impatience with God's will and his timing in our lives. That you think, I don't need this. I don't deserve this. This impatience arises from an entitlement, from pride. And at the core of impatience is the belief that God is not loving, that God is not kind, that God is not compassionate enough. Impatience is the belief that God owes you. So impatience is the cry to God, God, when is enough enough? Can't we just be done with this? And so when you think about this accumulated weight of disappointment, friends, our hearts are not meant to handle so much grief and pain. It's meant to be too much for us that we actually look to God and rest in his love for us. And we'll, we'll get there when we can think about cultivating patience. But now let's think about faking patience. And so here's what one writer writes about faking patience. Endurance can be faked. Some people are just too lazy to react. Some people are just too lazy to react. And see, this is passivity. This is a type of detachment when you do not care enough to even care. And so you, you can actually just seem to, be impa- seem to be patient, but that patience is actually f- coming from a source of detachment where you just don't care. There's also another way to fake patience where you may think of yourself you may actually think of yourself more to be more superior than others that you're so proud that you think others are actually beneath others not worthy to engage with them another way to fake patience is actually just to acknowledge your upbringing or family of origin because some of us by our upbringing are actually more incensed insensitive to criticism and so we can appear to be long suffering some of us are more accommodating than others where you're happy to wait your turn that could actually be a phrase oh just wait your turn could have been a a, a reframe a reframe a reframe that you heard while growing up and so you you learn how to internalize your impatience to bottle it up and to hide it And so you may seem to be patient, but on the inside, there's impatience. See, there are a lot of different ways how you can fake patience, but the last thing that comes to mind is more manipulative. And you see this within workplaces, where you will endure a temporary hardship just to gain a long-term advantage. Like where you think to yourself, oh, I only have to put up with this for that much longer And then I am moving on. I'm climbing the ladder or I'm going on vacation or I get get out or just something. So Philip Gully, he's a Quaker pastor 
and he is the writer of Hometown Tales. He describes fake patience this way. Some folks say this man did not want to be healed. Otherwise, he would have pushed others aside just to get to the doctor. And so I say that true patience is so scarce that we are apt to confuse patience with apathy. And there's a load of difference between the two. Apathy curls up into self-pity when times get hard. Patience quietly waits its turn trusting that God will turn around, will get around to make things right in his perfect time. And so when we think about patience, patience is not apathy, nor is patience indifference to suffering. You may mistakenly think that patience does not get angry, but the reality is that patience actually does get angry. Because our anger, but patience recognizes that our anger never gets resolved this side of glory. Our patience enables us to take our anger to God and trust that God will act upon our anger and deal with our anger in its proper and good and right time. We need to, we get to take our need for judgment. We get to take our need for vindication to God. We don't have to take our anger out on someone else. We don't have to manipulate or maneuver other people to get our vindication from them. No, we get to take all our frustration and our anger to God because what does he say? That he will act upon it in his good and his right and his perfect time. This is in part what the refrain, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, is actually about. We get to trust God who is good and he is right and he is perfect and he is holy and he is just. We get to expect God to follow through on his promise that he will deal with the evil in this world, even the evil that we have endured, even the opposition and the persecution that we face, even the ways that we are sinned against, we know that God will deal with that in his good and perfect way. So how do we cultivate this type of patience? How do we cultivate this type of patience? We, we see this here in James 5, in verse 7. He says, be patient, brothers, for the coming of, of the Lord is at is." Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. But then look at verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Here we have this refrain twice. Be patient. So remember when I said that the biblical story is one of patience? The biblical story is one of patience. God patiently waits on his people to repent and to return to him. But also think about this. Who is your family? What story are you a part of? Since the biblical story is one of patience, we also see God's family being a patient family. Why is it that Abraham and Sarah waited for years that they would suffer through infertility to ha- before they could have Isaac? Why is it that Isaac also had to wait? Why is it that that Jacob had to wait, where he waited 14 years just to marry Rebekah? 
Rebecca, Rachel, Rachel. Why did Joseph wait in prison only to be forgotten by everyone until there's a random dream? Why was Moses a shepherd in Midian for 40 years? Why did Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years? Why did Israel wait thousands of years for the coming of the Messiah? O come, O come, Emmanuel. See, friends, patience and waiting go hand in hand. God's people are awaiting people. God's family is a patient family. We are a family that is meant to wait. And so here's this clear picture that we need to cultivate patience in, your, in our lives. Like I can tell you how, so how, when we think about how do we cultivate patience, I can tell you what it's not. We often think that the relief, the cure, the solution to our impatience is venting. But venting is, yes, important because when we're venting, that's actually a moment where we're being honest with others. And so venting is important because we need trusted friends to hear us. And we need these safe spaces and relationships to be heard, to be known, and to be loved. But venting does not bring us relief. It was Peter Scazzaro who said that triggers are a gift from God. Why am I overacting now? Why am I running? These triggers are a gift from God as they are an invitation from God to do a deeper work within our hearts. And so as we think about cultivating patience, fundamentally we need friends whom we can share these frustrations with to hear us out, to be known, and to also know them in return. We need these friends. And, but because everyone is impatient, even these friendships have limits. We can't look to these fr- our friends to be the cure for our impatience because we'll irritate each other, we'll get on each other's nerves, and more. See, the, the other reality here is that you cannot rush your spiritual growth. There is no quick fix or instant transformation as we follow Jesus Christ. We tend to think that we can change pretty easily. That, Like, oh, I can change some habits and such. But we overestimate how much we can change within a short period of time. But we also underestimate, underestimate how much we can change over a year or a season. So in the context of these friendships where we need to be these, these friendships that are truly safe spaces where we get to be honest, we actually need friendships that will help us remember. We don't just need friendships that will actually receive our venting. We need friendships that will help us remember. Because the cure to our impatience is not venting but remembering. Specifically, we need to remember how our God is faithful despite our sinfulness. The cure is actually remembering how Jesus endured mocking how Jesus endured suffering and persecution. That Jesus put up with his best friend abandoning him, his dear friend denying him. The cure is actually remembering God's patience, which is on clear display for us in the person of Jesus. 
That's what we need to remember. And we need these friendships to help us remember. We need friends and a community that will take our impatience and redirect it to our patient God. And so we live in this sinful world and we have broken bodies and the presence of sin will not be removed until Jesus' return. And we need to acknowledge that some of you here today suffer from a chronic illness. It could be physical or mental. Some of you have estranged relationships. Some of you long for a spouse or a child. Some of you desire financial security or a job that is fulfilling to you. All these things that I mentioned are part of the accumulated weight of disappointment. We all understand this desire of impatience. We all understand this impulse to vent. But when you have this accumulated weight of disappointment, what do you do? Do you let this grief, this disappointment, harden your heart? Or because you can let it harden your heart by simply thinking to yourself, God, when is enough enough? God, you don't love me. See, we cultivate this patience by actually wrestling with God. Because all those things I mentioned right there are examples of how things shouldn't be. We cultivate patience by wrestling with God. Just as I said that the biblical story is a story of patience and how God's family is a a patient family, there's this one beautiful passage in the book of Genesis, and it's Jacob. And he is wrestling with God. And after Jacob wrestles with God the next day, Jacob is actually renamed as Israel. So not only is God's, is God's people a patient people, but we are a people that is meant to wrestle with God. There's so many sinful and broken things in this world, and they remain unresolved on this side of glory. And so the danger is that we can let those things sit and fester within our hearts to the point that our, our lives are defined by impatience. Or we can take those things to God and wrestle with Him. Because we cannot expect to get vindication in life. But we can actually expect God to care for us in surprising ways. And God invites you to wrestle with him. Because God wants a relationship with you. He invites your honesty. And he invites your honesty because he wants you. And this is great news. Because we have a patient God. Think about some of the beautiful metaphors within Scripture. That Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And knocks until we open the door. Jesus is standing there at the door waiting for you to open it. Think about the, prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son. The son says to the father, I wish you were dead to me. And he asks for his share of the inheritance and he goes away. But where is the father in this? The father is on the front porch, looking out on the horizon, looking for his son's return. We have a patient God. And just in that that parable, the father sees the son and he runs to him on the horizon because God is waiting for you. Think about Exodus 34. Then we'll end with this. 
The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and steadfast, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Well, friends, we are guilty, but God has dealt with our guilt in such a way where he has put it upon Jesus Christ. So let us praise the Lord that he is patient, that he is slow to anger, where he keeps his steadfast love for generations, and that is on perfect display for us on Jesus. So friends, when, we, when you experience your impatience, when you find yourself having some road rage, when you're, you're being irritated at whatever which happens all the time, have that take you to Jesus. And let's lean into our relationships that help us remember our patient God. Let's pray.